Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode number 27 for Tuesday, July the 5th, 2016. Hey there, guys, and thanks for joining me for the show today. On this episode, we're going to be talking about this whole tragic mess between Cinemark Theaters and the shooting victims' families and how this is getting really convoluted. Should Game of Thrones be putting the final two episodes of Season 6 on IMAX screens before the beginning of Season 7? I kind of hope they do. UFC 200, the Batman vs. Superman, Ultimate Edition, and a whole bunch more. So sit back, relax. The John Campion Podcast starts right now. Well, hey there, guys, and welcome to the show. So glad you were able to join me today, and uh, a happy belated 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody had a fun and safe and enjoyable, whether there were uh, adult beverages involved or not, 4th of July weekend. I had a magnificent time because as a Canadian, it was I got to double party because first it was the Canada Day weekend. Canada Day is July the 1st, so this was the Canada Day weekend. So happy Canada Day weekend to all of my uh uh, national uh, brothers and sisters up north and all my fellow expats. And it was also the 4th of July weekend, so I got to get together with my American family uh, down here, my American friends down here. Last night we had a great poker night uh, and enjoyed ourselves, listened and watched some fireworks. It was a great time overall, so I hope you had a great weekend. Hey, before we get into it today, I just want to ask you once again, best way to support this podcast is by opening up iTunes, finding the John Campia podcast, and make sure you rate and comment on the podcast. That helps this podcast out a great deal. So do me a favor, pause the the, uh, the podcast for a second, jump into iTunes. Even if you don't normally use iTunes, that's fine. But just pop open iTunes and uh, leave a rating, a little star rating, and leave a comment. That helps me out a great deal. All right, we got a ton of stuff to get to today, as I kind of mentioned in the opening. And um, in no particular order, we're going to start off with this. Now, many of you remember a couple years ago that tragic, tragic incident that happened in the Cinemark Theater uh, during the opening night of The Dark Knight Rises. When uh, the asshole walked into the uh, cinema, shot a bunch of people. Well, what happened was that, here's the thing, I'm very lenient and forgiving on victims and families of victims because, you know, you don't expect the most rational, the most thought out, the most thoughtful behavior out of somebody when in the moment and in the the time period that they've suffered great loss and great tragedy. I mean, I am not at my best when I've suffered great loss in my life. I'm sure you haven't been at your best when you've suffered great loss in your life. And so what happened was uh, a bunch of the families of the people who died in the movie theater, they decided in their pain and in their grief and in their very normal human reaction to want to hold somebody accountable for what happened to you and your family, and your loved ones, they got together and decided to sue the movie theater, in this case, Cinemark. Because uh, you can't sue the idiot who did it, uh, because they got nothing. And so, yeah, and you know what? It's a human response. 
I cut the, these families an awful lot of slack. Do I agree or did I agree with the lawsuit? No, I didn't agree with the lawsuit. Do I think that Cinemark was responsible in any way for what happened tragically to these people's families? Absolutely not. I don't believe there is one ounce of responsibility that should be put on the movie theater. But in their pain and in their grief, they did what most of us would do and what most of us have done, which is our hearts immediately turn to who do we hold responsible for this? How do we get some justice out of this? And when we are in our most vulnerable periods in states like that, we don't always think the most clearly. We don't always turn to the right parties that we want to hold responsible. We don't always do that. And so they turn to Cinemark, the place where their their family members, their beloved ones died. And here's the thing. Did I agree with the lawsuit? No. Do I think Cinemark should have been held responsible? for the tragedy and the loss of life. No, I do not. But like I said, I cut families of victims a lot of slack. And I remember saying in a podcast I did uh, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I said, look, I really believe that the courts will find that Cinemark is not responsible for this and that the families can then move on. And I don't blame the, I don't agree with the lawsuit, but I don't blame the families at all for bringing it. It's a human reaction. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that just because there was a tragedy that we automatically hold somebody responsible who wasn't responsible. And I don't believe in any way, shape or form that Cinemark the movie theater was responsible for what happened. So just so I'm very clear on my position on the victims and their families, and just so I'm very clear on my position towards Cinemark and how they conducted themselves and all that kind of stuff. Well, the story took a very odd and a very unfortunate change of directions uh, this past week. Where, uh, so basically, I'm going to oversimplify this, but just for the sake of brevity. So basically, the court finds that Cinemark is not responsible, okay? That's what I thought would happen. That's what I thought should happen. But then it comes out, that Cinemark may be now going after the families of the victims for $700,000 in legal fees that it costs Cinemark to defend themselves. And that Cinemark may now, and look, my information might be a little bit out of date. It is now Tuesday. Um, I haven't seen anything update to this, but I'm just operating on the, the the understanding that I have right now. If new information has come out, please let me know. But I'm just operating on that, that assumption at this moment. So it came out that Cinemark may be going after the families of the victims for $700,000 to recoup their legal costs in defending the case. Now, understand this. In law, and some of you know, I have a little bit of a law background. Basically what happens is that Let's say you and your neighbor, uh, uh, Joey Buttface, okay? You and your neighbor, Mr. Buttface, uh, you have a dispute and let's say Joey Buttface wrecked your lawnmower, okay? I'm just pulling scenarios out of my ass here, so (laughs) go along with me here for a second. And you believe Joey Buttface wrecked your lawnmower, so you decide to take Joey Buttface to court, to get back the money. Now, 
98%, I mean, I don't know what it is in the U.S. and Canada, but the vast, vast majority of lawsuits don't actually go to trial. They normally get settled, okay? And a settlement is basically when the two sides reach an agreement before the whole court process runs its course, okay? That the court encourages people to settle because trials and courts, they use up a lot of time and they use up a lot of public money, okay, to pay for judges and court officials and all that kind of stuff. So the courts encourage people to settle. As a matter of fact, um, to really encourage settlement, there are rules in place that say, let's say you were suing Joey Buttface for wrecking your lawnmower. Joey Buttface comes back to you and says, okay, and he, he writes this out in an official court document, okay, that goes on record and goes on file in the court proceedings. And Joey Buttface says, look, I don't think it's my fault that your lawnmower got sued or got wrecked and you're suing him for $500. Okay. I'm just like, again, remember, I'm just using a a weird scenario I'm pulling out of my ass. Okay. So he says, I don't believe I'm responsible for wrecking your lawnmower. I don't think it's my fault that your lawnmower got wrecked. So I don't believe I should pay you the $500. However, Joey Buttface says in his settlement, his offer to settle to you, he says, I'm willing to pay you $200 right now, just to make this go away. Because I don't want to go through the hassle of a trial. And even though I don't believe I'm responsible for wrecking your lawnmower, I don't know what some judge or some jury might think. So I am offering you right now, let's settle this. Let's end this right now. I will give you $200 and you drop this case. Okay. You drop this, this lawsuit against me. So Joey Buttface makes you that offer. The way the law is set up, the way the law is set up is to encourage people to settle. So there is law that says, now that Joey has made you an offer to settle this, if you go to trial now, if you take this lawsuit to court and it moves forward, and you either A, lose, and Joey Buttface wins the case, or you win, but the judge or jury in this situation awards you less than what Joey Buttface was offering to pay you. So let's say you go to court, you take this thing through, and you win the case, but the judge only awards you $150. Like you were going after Joey Buttface for $500. Joey Buttface offered you $200 to drop it. You said no. You went forward with the case, and you win but you only end up winning $150. So let's say you either lose the case or you win, but you end up winning less than what the defendant in this case offered to settle you for. In either case now, there is law that says, since this whole thing now has been pointless and there was an offer to you earlier, there was a settlement offer made to you earlier just to end this thing and you said no and you pushed forward anyway and now you lost or you didn't get up, end up getting as much out of it as you would have in the settlement. You have wasted the court's time and you've wasted the defendant's time. So there is law that says now you might be responsible to pay back any legal costs the defendant needed to pay in order 
to defend himself in this case. I know we're talking a lot of law here, but this has to do with the Cinemark theater. Trust me, I'm getting back to Cinemark here in a second and, and the whole Batman, uh, the Dark Knight Rises shooting incident and the families. Okay, so so basically now, you took Joey Buttface to court. He offered to settle. You said no and you lost the case. Now the law says that you may be responsible to pay off Joey Buttface's legal fees because you wasted everybody's time. Now, that doesn't mean it's automatic. That doesn't mean you're, the court is going to award you um, those said uh, recuperative damages, if you will. It doesn't mean the court is going to – it's not automatic. And it doesn't mean Joey has to go after you for his legal fees. But there is law that says that that could happen. So let's now move back. Let's go from you and Joey Buttface. And let's go back to Cinemark and these families. All right? Cinemark offered to settle – the families of the victims refused, and they pushed forward with the case. And now the case has been resolved, and the court has found that uh, Cinemark Theaters, in my opinion, rightfully so, was not responsible for the tragedy that happened to those uh, to the victims' family members. Not their fault. So now the law says that since Cinemark tried to settle this. And the defendant, and sorry, not the defendants, the plaintiffs who are the victims' families rejected the settlement. Now there is law that says that Cinemark can go after those family members to get back their legal costs in defending this case. Now, I know I'm taking up a lot of time on this topic, but I think this is something worth talking about. The law says Cinemark is within their rights. Because look, Cinemark had to spend $700,000. That looked, it, I know we like to think that, oh, well, they're a big corporation, so that's nothing. No, $700,000 ain't nothing to anybody. Okay? $700,000 is not nothing. I don't care who you are. It's something. So Cinemark had to spend $700,000, allegedly, to defend this case. Now they won the case. The law says they now have recourse to go after the plaintiffs to get back their legal fees. They have a right to do this. But as in many things in life, I believe that there is a difference between having a right to do something and if it's right to do something. To me, sometimes there is a world of difference between you have the right to do something, and is it right to do something? Two majorly different things. And in this situation, does Cinemark have the right to go after the plaintiffs? Absolutely they do. They absolutely have the right to go after, in law, they have the right to go after the victims' families for that money. I don't believe the victims should have ever brought it, but like I said, I understand why they did, and I empathize, and I cut them a lot of slack. But is it right for Cinemark now to go after the victims' families? Abso-frickin-lutely not. It is not the right thing. Look, I just said $700,000 is a ton of money. I get that. But this has got to be one of the worst PR moves any movie theater chain could ever possibly do 
since AMC's new CEO came out and said, yeah, we're thinking about letting people text message in the theaters. Duh. I don't know what, what the, and I love AMC. You know, I have a background with AMC. I have a history with AMC. I have a lot of friends at AMC. This is a new CEO. I've never met this gentleman. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, but duh. How stupid was that comment? Remember that when the AMC CEO came out? This is just a few months ago. Came out and said, yeah, well, we don't know. We might start letting people send text messages in the movie theaters. Duh. That's a stupid thing to say. I'm sure he's not a stupid guy. I'm sure he's a very, very smart man. But that was a stupid... The smartest of us do stupid things, don't we, folks? We all do. That was his day to do something really stupid. And the the backlash from that was immediate and flooding. And the very next day, 24 hours later, AMC puts out this statement. Oh, no, we listen to the fans. No, 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 don't worry. We're not going to be letting people text messages in our theaters. You never should have said it in the first place. But um, for Cinemark... To turn around and go after, you know what? Look, Cinemark, you won the case. I'm glad you won the case. I think you should have won the case. And it's unfortunate that in the midst of all this tragedy, you also had to pay $700,000 to defend yourself. But you know what? Those people lost a hell of a lot more than $700,000. Their loved ones died. And even though I say it's not your fault, they died in your house. Just take the win, say thank you, your honor, turn to the victims and say, again, we are so deeply sorry for your loss. Eat the legal bill and walk out. I don't know what brain trust a monkeys or over at Cinemark that thought, yeah, maybe we should go after them and get that $700,000 back. Again, it's their right to do it, but it ain't right to do it. It's their right, but it ain't right. Not only is it not right from, I believe, a moral perspective, but from a PR perspective. You are going to get so many people that will be unfixably angry at you and your company if you do this. It's unfortunate what happened, man. It sucks that you got sued for something that really wasn't your fault. But guess what? What happened to those victims' families was a thousand times worse. Take the win. Turn to the families and say, again, we are deeply sorry for your loss. Say, thank you, your honor. Eat the legal bill and walk out that door and start to put this all behind you. But instead now of the court case the ruling in the court case giving closure to everything, now what Cinemark seems poised to do, and I hope they change their minds if they haven't already, instead of now there being closure to this terrible, ugly, unfortunate tragedy that affected a lot of people, Cinemark is going to keep it going. Because now it keeps going for those victims' families. Now it keeps going for them, and now it's going to keep going for the rest of us who are going to have to watch and hear about this thing. So, look, again, I cut the victims' families a lot of slack. I feel sorry for Cinemark that they were put in this position that really wasn't their fault. I believe it was the right decision for them to be found not responsible for the death of the victims' families, and they should just let it end at that. Cinemark has the right to go after the victims' families for their legal fees, but it is not right for them to go after the families for their legal fees. And I've been getting emails and tweets and Facebook messages from a lot of pissed off people 
from a lot of people who were very pissed off, and I was pissed off when I heard that Cinemark may go after these folks. It's tremendously stupid for them to even suggest or allow the suggestion to be out there that they might actually go and punish the victims' families as if they haven't been through enough already. Anyway, I know I took a whole hell of a lot of time, but that's one of the great things about it being my podcast that I do for fun. I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about for as long as I want to talk about it. Anyway, I would love to know your thoughts and your perspective on this. Uh, fire me off a tweet, tweet me at John Campia, um, or leave a comment on my Facebook thing. Fire, fire me off a note and let me know what you guys think about all of this. All right. Now I'm going to take the rest of the topics today from you guys. And again, I went to my Facebook page. You can follow me on Facebook, just facebook.com slash John Campia. Make sure you follow me there. Uh, I'm out of the number of friends. I, I Don't send me a friend request because I can't accept any more friends. Uh, but you can still follow me there. And I ask you guys before I do every episode of the podcast, what are some topics and issues you want me to talk about? And I take the rest of the topics and issues from you there. Look, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to talk a little bit of sports today. we got a couple of big, big things in the world of sports. Kevin Durant signs with the Golden State Warriors. we got UFC 200 coming up. We're going to talk some Batman v Superman, all that kind of stuff. So let's get into the Facebook questions now. And the first Facebook question I'm going to take here comes from Matthew Mendez who writes, Your thoughts on should Game of Thrones release Season 6's last two episodes on IMAX like they did a few years ago. Yeah, guys, look, as some of you remember, a couple years ago, right before, I think it was right before the beginning of season five. I th- I think it might have been earlier than that, but I think it was right before the beginning of Game of Thrones season five. Game of Thrones and HBO held a special limited run, like I think it was for one night only or something like that, where they showed the previous season's final two episodes on IMAX in a movie theater, which I thought was a really cool and and kind of crazy, but very innovative idea. Now, I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. I mean, most of you know that. I like the show. I like it. I like it actually quite a bit, and, and I watch every episode, but I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan in the world. But the last two episodes of this past season, uh, Bastard vs. Bastard and The Winds of Winter, were just spectacular television cinematic uh, is the best way to put it. Should they release these last two episodes on IMAX again? Here's It comes down to this. I don't know what the financials were on when they did it last time. Did it make them some money? Did it lose them a boatload of money? Um, did the promotional gimmick of it showing the previous season's finales in IMAX help boost the season premiere. I mean, so I don't know these numbers. I don't know these statistics or these analytics. It all comes down to that. But take that aside for a second. I hope they do it because man, I'm telling you the King in the North speech at the, by Lady Mormont at the end of that episode, man, that is some of the most chilling goose bumpy inspirational television I've seen in a long time. So uh, look, all I know is this is if they did it, and I hope they do it. I would definitely go, you know, eight months from now to an IMAX and buy a ticket to watch those two episodes back to back in IMAX. I would certainly be there. All right. 
Let's move on to this. Uh, Cody Edge Carroll is asking me about my thoughts on Tarzan. Yeah, I'm going to be putting up a movie review on my YouTube channel uh, for Tarzan here in the next 24 hours probably. Uh, you can, by the way, if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go to youtube.com slash John Campia and subscribe to my YouTube channel there. That would uh, be awfully keen of you to do that. Anyway. Um, you know what? Tarzan is getting bashed a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull up the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, Tarzan, Rotten Tomatoes. All right. I, I know it was getting bashed pretty hard. Uh, the last time I checked, it was at 37%. Now it's down to 34%. So it's probably going to hang around that 34% mark. Um, I thought it was better than that. I do. I, I, look, I went into Tarzan hoping for some dumb action vine swinging fun. But what happened was the I found out that the action isn't actually all that great, but it's not as dumb as you as I initially thought maybe it would be. Actually, I thought Tarzan was quite a compelling story. I thought the characters were more um, were better characters than I thought they would be. Even Margot Robbie's Jane, which I, I thought was probably the least the character with the least depth. I even thought her character worked. I liked the, surprisingly, I thought the Samuel L. Jackson character worked. I thought Skarsgård gave us a really good um, incarnation of Tarzan slash Lord Greystoke, uh, Lord of Greystoke, I should say. Um, the story was much better than I thought it would be. So I actually ended up not loving Tarzan. I didn't love it, but I actually ended up liking Tarzan. So uh, anyway, you want to see my full review going over to my YouTube channel. Uh, and it'll be there. Uh, Danny McGinnis writes in, going back to the Cinemark stuff, Danny McGinnis is writing in and asking, should we boycott Cinemark theaters in light of their recent dick move? Um, well, let's keep this in mind first. I don't think they've done anything yet. Okay, so let's be, I, I, as far as I know, I could be wrong. Maybe they have already started the process. As far as I know, Cinemark hasn't actually done anything yet. I don't think they've actually officially gone after the families um, of the victims yet. So let's be clear about that. Maybe they have, but I don't think they've actually done anything yet. But even if they did, should we boycott Cinemark? Look, I'm not a big fan of boycotting um, anything. And remember me saying, I'm not going to go see that, or I'm not going to go support this. That's not boycotting. That's just saying me, myself, I'm making a choice not to go see that. Boycotting is when should people band together and start an effort, a collective effort to make people not go and see something or make people not go and participate in something? Should we actively boycott something? Um, like I said, I'm not a big fan of boycotting. Um... Because I think boycotting, you have to have some pretty moral absolutes to boycott something, I think. Um, and like I said, I would I would hesitate against boycotting Cinemark because, again, is it the right thing for them to do? No, probably not. But as I kind of laid out, it's still within their rights to do it. If you, let's say, got wrongfully sued and it ended up costing you $700,000 to defend yourself – and you end up winning, you would be damn tempted to go after the people that sued you in the first place to get back that $700,000 you had to spend. So while I think it's wrong for Cinemark to go after the victims' families, there's some gray area here. And when there's gray area, I tend to shy away from the moral absolutist stance of a boycott. So 
look, I can understand people feeling like they want to boycott Cinemark. I'm not one of them. I'm I'm I I'm angry at Cinemark. I think it's wrong, but like I said, there's some moral gray area here that it's you know it's tough to pass too much judgment when you don't have to walk in their shoes. So I'm not happy about it. It might affect my decision about whether or not I ever go and um, give my business to a Cinemark theater. But is it to the point that I want to actively try to get other people to not go? Nah, personally, I'm not there yet. Maybe you are, but me personally, I'm not there yet. Um, now, next question here. Getting to Batman versus Superman and the Ultimate Edition that's been causing a lot of people to talk. Ariari writes, do you think Zack Snyder did not have any say in the cut of the theatrical version of Batman v Superman? Now, for those of you who may not totally understand what he's talking about, Batman v Superman just put out their Ultimate Edition. It has 30 extra minutes of footage. Um, some more connective tissue, some story. There's no more footage of the Batman versus Superman fight, really. I didn't notice in my viewing of the Ultimate Edition any new footage in the battle with Doomsday at the end. In my opinion, and once again, go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Campy. I have a full like six-minute video up talking about the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition. But as I said in that one, I do believe the Ultimate Edition is an improvement, but I don't think it's like a totally different film. Look, do I think Vi um, Zack Snyder had a say? Yeah, I do think Zack Snyder had a say. I think the studio simply said, look, man, we can't do a three-hour movie. Cut it down. And really, I still think, even though I think the Ultimate Edition is a better version of Batman versus Superman, and again, go to my YouTube video for all the reasons why, I don't think it's a vast improvement, but it is an improvement. But to me, it still doesn't excuse. If you can't tell your story in two and a half hours, then you're not doing your job right. And look, I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. I think Batman versus, I think Man of Steel is a, is a masterpiece of a movie. And I liked Batman v Superman. But if you can't tell your story in two and a half hours coherently, then the problem isn't that you had to cut 30 minutes out. The problem's with you. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that I'm a big Zack Snyder fan. And I will always look forward to new movies he has coming out. But the, the prob but I do believe he had a say in the final edit and the final cut of the film. And, and he should have made a good film at two and a half hours. Anyway, that's just my thought on it. Um, Alderino is a quandi, writes. And forgive me, uh, Alderino, if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'm terrible with names. Talk about Kevin Durant. All right, look. This will be the, the sports segment of the show. If, if you're not interested in all in sports, I don't know why you wouldn't be sports or life. Um, th this is the thing. So Kevin Durant, the most recent reigning MVP of the NBA before Steph Curry won his back-to-back -back, uh, MVPs. So the four most recent MVPs, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry has won two in a row. Uh, Kevin Durant leaves the Thunder, goes to the Golden State Warriors. Now, the perennial already the favorite to win the NBA title next year. I think Kevin Durant has every... I, I, honestly, I don't think people should be mad at him. Look, it's not like he did what Kobe Bryant did a number of years ago. Remember, halfway through his contract, Kobe Bryant demanded a trade. He was still under contract, and he demanded a trade. And the LA Lakers, the only reason Kobe Bryant was still a Laker for the next 10 years after that is because the Lakers refused to give him a trade, even though he demanded it. Kevin Durant didn't do that. Kevin Durant didn't ask to get out of his contract. Kevin Durant faithfully 
played out his contract. He's He played out his contract. He was under contract. He never demanded a trade. He never asked to be moved. He faithfully, to the best of his ability, won an MVP, played out his contract. And his contract was done. It's the same situation as LeBron James a few years ago when he left Cleveland in the first place. It's not like he tried to get out. His contract was done. He had no contract with the with the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. Technically speaking, when he joined the Golden State Warriors, he didn't leave the Thunder because he wasn't a, he wasn't an Oklahoma Thunder player anymore. His contract was over. It was done. So now he had no team. And he could choose to go anywhere he wants. And he chose to, the Golden, to go to the Golden State Warriors, who were already the favorites to win the NBA title next year. And now it's pretty much an automatic that they're going to win the title next year. Um, and so I have no problem with it. He played out his contract. He fulfilled his obligations. He was very faithful to that city. He gave that city and that team, the Thunder, everything he had to the point that he took him to two NBA finals and never won, but he took them to two NBA finals and that's no small task. And he won the MVP one year. What more do you want from the guy? That is loyalty. He fulfilled his obligations faithfully. And then his contract ended. And he was a free agent and he could go anywhere he wants now. People crying about loyalty. He was loyal. He played to the best of his ability and gave that team everything he had and never tried to get out of his contract. And then his contract ended. That's it. It's done. And he moved on. I had no problem when LeBron James did it. I have no problem when Kevin Durant does it now. He fulfilled his obligations. He did the best he could, and he did great things for that team over all the years that he played there, and now he moved on. Uh, so anyway, that, that's my – I've got more thoughts on Kevin Durant and the comparisons between LeBron James, but I'm going to put that up in a video on my YouTube channel sometime later. All right, let's move on to this one. Uh, getting back to Batman versus Superman, Adam Rosen is, is writing, while not majorly different, do you think Justice League, the Justice League movie, the next DC Cinematic Universe – movie do you think justice league will refer to the ultimate edition as the film or is it going to refer to the theatrical cut of the film well here's the thing nothing of major significance happens in the ultimate cut that didn't happen in the theatrical cut doomsday was born created by lex luther attacked the city batman and superman had a battle then teamed up with wonder woman at the end to fight doomsday and win the day blah blah that's the same in the ultimate cut as it is in the theatrical cut you know, Bruce has visions of the future and, and Flash coming through the time portal to give Bruce warnings. Those happen in the theatrical edition. Those happen in the ultimate edition. Anything that's significant from a Justice League standpoint happens in both the theatrical and the ultimate edition. So really the two are the same. Like That's why I said before that, yeah, Batman v Superman, it's, it's different because they add like almost 30 minutes of footage, but it's more connective tissue stuff. And so it's not, it's not really that much, it's not this huge, it's not like some people saying, oh my gosh, the Ultimate Edition is a totally different movie than the theatrical cut. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's still very clearly the same movie with some more well thought out, fleshed out connective tissue that makes the story a little bit more coherent and makes it a Superman movie as opposed to a Batman movie. But it's not majorly different. So when Justice League refers to uh, Batman v Superman, 
it's just going to refer to Batman v Superman because anything significant in the ultimate cut in the ultimate edition was also present in the theatrical cut as well. Um, anyway, next question comes from Michael Branch who writes, good morning, John. Well, good morning, Michael. What do you think uh, we are going to see at Comic-Con this year? And will you have a Comic-Con HQ panel? All right. Uh, let me answer the, the panel questions first. First of all, yes, there is going to be a Comic-Con HQ panel. It's going to be myself, Kevin Pereira, and Adam Sesler from G4. Uh, Steve Zaragoza is going to be on it. Myself, John Schnepp. Uh, and I think Trish Hirschberger is going to be on there as well. So yes, we are having a, and, and the guys from King of Khan or the Kings of Khan, I should say, are going to be on there as well. The guys from Supernatural, the TV show. Uh, that panel is happening on the Thursday of Comic-Con at 2 p.m. Uh, I don't think I'm allowed to give out any more details on that right now. There are announcements coming. I am also doing my annual Masters of the Web panel which is happening on Thursday at Comic-Con as well. So I got two panels I'm going to be on at Comic-Con on the Thursday. Uh, joining me on my Masters of the Web panel, we got myself, um, we got John Schnepp, Christian Harloff, Gray Drake, which I'm super excited about, uh, Tiffany Smith, and Jeremy Johns. And we are going to be doing how – our topic this year is going to be how we got started and how you can get started too. So we're going to talk a lot about movies, but we're also going to talk about how – how we all got into doing this online movie critic stuff and how you, I know a lot of you out there are interested in getting involved in this as a hobby as well. How can you get started? We're going to be talking about that um, at that panel. So if you're interested in getting your own YouTube channel going, your own podcast, your own blog, whatever, a Tumblr, what have you, and you want to know what we did to get started and our advice for how you can get started in doing all this, you're going to want to make sure you're at our Masters of the Web panel this year uh, at Comic-Con. So thanks a lot. Uh, for, and what are we going to see? Well, the biggest thing that I know of, which I'm super excited about for Comic-Con this year, is that they are actually debuting, they are premiering Star Trek Beyond, the new Star Trek movie, at Comic-Con on an outdoor IMAX screen in this big park right behind the convention center in San Diego. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. I cannot wait to watch it there. So that's probably what I'm looking forward to uh, the most. All right. Um, Daniel Perry's writing, Hey, what do you think about Samuel L. Jackson saying he's still alive in Star Wars? Eh, we talked about it on Jedi Council the other day. Um, it doesn't matter. They're ne you're never going to see Mace Windu again in Star Wars. So whether they say that Mace Windu survived the fall, that Samuel Jackson's character survived the fall after fighting the Emperor, whether he survived the fall or he died in the fall, it doesn't matter because you're never going to see Mace Windu in another Star Wars movie again. Um, so, yes. Um, anyway, and one last thing here. Uh, Golden, uh, UFC 200 is coming up. Super stoked about UFC 200. That card is stacked. Maybe, you know, I'm a big MMA guy. I've been into MMA for a lot of years. Um, had my heart attack <laughs> while in my MMA training session. Anyway, um, this is the most crazy stacked card I can ever remember. I mean, the prelims. You got Johnny Hendricks, TJ Dillashaw, Northcutt, and Kat Zingano all fighting in the prelims. Then in the main card... 
Well, for, and then you got Diego Sanchez and uh, Joe Lauzon. You got you got uh, Musasi fighting. You had Miller fighting in the early prelims, and then on the main card, forget about it. You got Cain Velasquez versus Brown. You got Jose Aldo versus uh, Frankie Edgar. That fight's going to be insane. You got Misha Tate defending her new title against uh, Nunez. You got. Brock Lesnar, the biggest pay-per-view draw in, in MMA and UFC history, fighting the Samoan headhunter, Mark Hunt. You got Daniel Cormier fighting John Bones Jones. This is the most sick, insane UFC lineup ever. Here are my picks on the main card. Cain Velasquez knocks out Travis Brown. Uh, Frankie Edgar wins by decision over Jose Aldo to win the interim uh, featherweight belt. Uh, Nunez wins the title off of Misha Tate, setting up a future fight with Ronda Rousey. Mark Hunt. I'm going to be cheering for Brock Lesnar in this fight, but Mark Hunt is going to beat Brock Lesnar. Look, Brock Lesnar hasn't fought in the UFC cage in five years. Mark Hunt last year was the number one contender for the heavyweight belt. Um, and Brock has shown that when he gets hit good on the chin, he goes down and there's nobody better at hitting you on the chin in the heavyweight division than Mark Hunt. He will beat Brock Lesnar. And I would have said John Bones Jones beats Cormier, but, uh, when John Bones came back and had his comeback fight about two months ago, uh, against, uh, St. Peru, he did not look good. He won the fight, but I was not impressed. Uh, so I'm going to go Cormier. Beats John Bones Jones by decision. I think it's going to go the full five rounds like it did the last time they fought. Um, and uh, we'll go with that. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the podcast. Again, guys, thank you so much for your support. And even though this is just a little hobby of mine, that this podcast is just something I do for fun and it's a hobby. And I, you know, I do it like once or twice a week. It's crazy that you guys support it. Like the last episode of this podcast Nearly 50,000 people listen to this podcast, this little nothing podcast that I do for fun uh, and as a hobby. And uh, you guys have been supporting it. And I, I just can't tell you how much that means to me. Um, so thank you guys so much for your support and listening to this podcast. Uh, communicate with me. Tweet to me. Follow me on Twitter at John Campia. Uh, make sure you're following me on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash John Campia. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm about to do even more stuff on my YouTube channel, um, my personal YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash John Campia. And again, open up iTunes, rate and leave a comment on this podcast that would help me out uh, a great deal. So, yeah, that'll do it for me, guys. I'm, we'll be back again in the next day or two with another installment of the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here. My name is John Campia, and until next time, bye-bye.